Okay, first I want to start off with a little story. And it, it, it tells about what a lot of things occur. First of all, uh, a teacher in the fifth grade class asked his students if any of them knew or understood electricity. And uh, he looked out over the class and only one person raised, raised his hand. It was little Jimmy. He said, Jimmy, explain it, uh, explain what electricity is. And Jimmy kind of looked for a second and he thought and then he started scratching his head. He says, uh, well, teacher, last night I knew what electricity was, but today I don't forgot. Well, the teacher, the teacher uh, let me see. Uh, the teacher said, what a tragedy. The only person in the world ever to understand electricity and he forgot. That teacher position may describe you and me when we study the doctrines of the Trinity. We accept the facts that the Holy Spirit is God, just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. But when it comes to explaining it, we are at, we are at a loss. So I asked a question, who is the Holy Spirit to you? We may feel that it is such a vast subject and we know so little about it. Nevertheless, God in his word has revealed all we should know. In fact, millions of Christians on every continent are now asking many questions. They are seeking and <clears throat> they are seeking and desire biblical answers. For example, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When does it take place? Is speaking in tongues possible? And many others. To start out, we must ask, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. In the Old Testament, the term Holy Spirit is found only two times. In Psalms 51.11, it says, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This was a, uh, uh, David when uh, he sinned against uh, God with Bathsheba. The other one is, uh, is in Isaiah 63, 10 and 11. And it says, But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned be their enemy, and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old. Moses and his people saying where is he that brought them up out of the sea with shepherds of his flock where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him you see the Spirit of God works in the Old Testament in God's prophets 87 times in the wind and many more places the Holy Spirit is a person in New Testament the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person Jesus never referred to it when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15, and 16, for example, he spoke of the Holy Spirit as he, because he is not a force or a thing, but a person. In Romans 8, 16, refers to the Holy Spirit as itself. The Spirit itself bears witness 
with our spirit that we are the children of God. When a newborn believer received Christ as his Savior, the Spirit himself bears witness that you are a member of God's family now. The Holy Spirit bears witness of the truth, and we all know who the truth is. We see from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is intelligence, emotion, and will. In addition to this, the Bible also ascribes or accredits or attributes to him the acts we would expect of someone who was not just a force but a real person. So let's look at some of the aspects of the Holy Spirit. First, he speaks. We can find this in Revelation 2.7. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. To him that overcometh will I give to, to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So let's break it down a little bit. Those who have ears to hear God's words are encouraging to listen to what the spiritual Spirit says to the church. Here's a promise Here's a promise is held out to the overcomer. In general, an overcomer in the New Testament is one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you'll find that also in 1 John 5, 5. In other words, a true believer is a true believer. His faith enables him to overcome the world with all its temptations and allurements. It says also to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This, not, this does not imply that they are saved by overcoming, but their overcoming proves the reality of their conversion experience. The only way men are saved is by the grace through faith in Christ. All who are saved will eat from the tree of life. That is... They will enter into the eternal life in its fullness in heaven. Also, we find the same thing in uh, Acts 13, 2, that, about him speaking. As they ministered to the Lord and fast, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So here we're going to break it down again. It says the prophets and teachers had gathered for a time of prayer and fasting, probably with the entire church. From the context, it appears clear that the expression, the ministry to the Lord, <coughs> expression, they ministered to the Lord, mean, <coughs> means they spent time in prayer and intercession. By fasting, they denied the legitimate claim of the flesh so as to give themselves more undestructibly to spiritual exercises. As they prayed, the Holy Spirit de uh, <clears throat> definitely definitively instructed them to separate Barnabas and Saul for the special work which he had in mind. How did the Holy Spirit carry out this message? To the prophets and teachers, he spoke through one of these men who were prophets, either Simon, Lutus, or Manassas. This verse is of tremendous, tremendous practical importance in the emphasizing 
the role of the Holy Spirit in the guidance of the early church and the sensitivity of the disciples to his leading. Another aspect is he intercedes. And you can find this in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. So, what are we talking about here? It says, just as we are sustained by the groaning, by the glorious hope, so the Spirit sustains us from our weakness. We're often perplexed in our prayer life. We do not know how to pray as we should. We pray selfishly, ignorantly, narrowly. But once again, the Spirit comes alongside to assist us in our weakness, interceding for us with groaning, which cannot find expression. In this verse, it is the Spirit who groans and not we who groan, though that is also true. There is a mystery here. <clears throat> there is a mystery here. We are piercing out into unseen spiritual realms where a great person and great forces are at work on our behalf. And although we cannot understand, it is all we can take limitlessly encouragement we can take limitlessly encouragement from the fact that a groaning may sometimes be the most spiritual prayer next he testifies and we can find this in John 15:26 and Jesus is speaking at this one the verse says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay. He will testify in me. In spite of man's rejection, there would be a continuous testimony to Christ. It would be carried on by the heifer, the Holy Spirit. Here the Lord says that he would send the Spirit from the Father. In John 14, 16, the Father was the one who sent the Spirit. Is this not another proof of the equality of the Son and the Father? Who but God could send one who is God? The Spirit of truth proceedeth from the Father. This means that he constantly being sent forth by God and his coming at the day of Pentecost was a special instance of this the spirit testifies concerning Christ this is his great mission he does not seek to occupy men with himself though he is one of the members of the Trinity but he directs the attention of both sinners and saints to the Lord of glory fourth he leads this is in Acts 8, 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to, his, to this chariot. You can, this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch 
that had great powers, uh, leadership power-wise. This man was returned home, returning home. The eunuch had apparently become a convert to Judaism since he had been to Jerusalem to worship. As the chariot rolled along, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. With split-second timing, the spirit directed Philip to overtake this chariot, and you know the rest of the story of Philip telling him of salvation and, the, uh, and Jesus Christ and the truth of baptism because he could not understand concerning how can he enter into his mother's womb again. And so Philip explained to him. Number five is he commands. And you can find this one in Acts 16, 6 through 7. Okay, it says, Now, when they had gone through Pasia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bethany, but the Spirit suffered them not. So we see here that uh, he commanded them not to go forth. These verses are of vital importance because they show the superintendent and guidance of the Holy Spirit in the missionary approach of the apostles. After revising the church in Pisia and Galatia, they had thought of going into the province of Asia in Western Asia Minor. But the Holy Spirit forbid them. We are not told why. Some have suggested that perhaps in divine counsel, this region was allocated to Peter. At any rate, they traveled on through the district of Magia when they, and then when they had attempted next to go northeast into Bithynia, the Spirit did not permit them to go there either. How many times had the Holy Spirit told us not to go or do something and we didn't listen? We traveled down, the, and then we traveled down the wrong road. And you know what happens there. Usually the Holy Spirit doesn't guide you until you get back on the right road. So hopefully that as Christians, we listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't listen to our own self. When he speaks, listen. Okay, on number six, he guides. And we find this in John 16, 13, and Jesus is speaking here again. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The work which the Lord begun was to be continued by the Spirit of Truth. He would guide them, in, guide them into all truth. There is a sense in which all truth was committed to the apostle, in apostle, in apostles in their lifetime. They in turn committed it to writing, and we have it today in our New Testament. This adds to the Old Testament. 
completed God's written revelation to man. But it is, of course, true in all ages that the Spirit guides, Spirit guides God's people into all the truth. He does it through the Scriptures. He will only speak the things that are given to, to him to, to say by the Father and the Son. He will tell you things to come. This, of course, is done in the New Testament, and particularly in the book of Revelation, where the future is unveiled. Another aspect is number seven, and it says, let me turn it over. He appoints, we'll find that in Acts 20, 28. Take heave, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which is which is which He has purchased with His blood. Since He would never again meet them on earth, He delivered a solemn charge to the elders that they should first of all take heave to their own spiritual condition. Unless, unless they were living in fellowship with the Lord, they could not expect to be spiritually guided in the church. Their function as elders was to take heed to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. Overseers in the New Testament are also called bishops, elders, and presbyterians. This verse emphasizes that elders are not appointed or elected by the local assembly. They are made overseers by the Holy Spirit and should be recognized by the believers among whom they labor. Among, among other things, they were responsible to shepherd the church of God. This puts a big responsibility on them also because it was purchased with his blood. Okay, I didn't get to finish on uh, breaking them down, but here's the rest of them. Eighth, he can be lied to. And we find this in Acts 5, 3, and 4. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the purchase, a, a part of the price of the land? What it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was so, was it not in thy own power? Why has thy conceived this thing in thine heart? They have not lied unto men, but unto God. Pretty well all of these are self-explained. Number nine, he can be insulted. You can find this in Hebrew 10, 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who has trotted underfoot the sons of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant, wherein he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and has done 
despite unto the spirit of grace. He can be blasphemed also. And you'll find this in Matthew 12, 31 and 32. And Jesus is bringing this one forth too. We're forth, I say unto you, all manners of sin and blaspheme shall be forgiven unto men, but the blaspheming against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. That is very strong. And one more in the aspects, he can be, he can be grieved. That's in Ephesians four thirty, and it says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption." Each of these emotions and acts I have read are characteristic of a person. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force like gravity or magnetism. He is a person with all the attributes of personal, but not only is he a person, he is divine as well. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God. Throughout the Bible, it is clear that the Holy Spirit is God himself. This is seen in the attributes that are given to the Holy Spirit in Scripture. For example, without exception, these attributes are those of God himself. He is eternal. That's in Hebrew 9.14. And it says... How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Two, he is all-powerful. That's in Luke 135, chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Third, he's everywhere present, that is, omnipresent at the same time. And you'll find that in Psalms 139, verse 7. David says, Whether shall I go from my spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? Fourth, he is all-knowing, that is, omnipotent. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 2.10 and 11. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. 
Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Fifth, the Holy Spirit is called God. Acts 5, 3, and 4. I'm sorry I'm going a little fast. And we find this also when we're reading the aspects, and I won't read it again. It's He can be insulted or... Uh, which one did I do? Oh, it's one of them. I can't remember which one it is. But um, anyway, uh, the Holy Spirit is called God. Six, he is the creator. The first biblical reference of the Holy Spirit is in Gen uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved up on the face of the water. Also in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it speaks of the Creator. For by him were all things created, that all in heaven and that are in earth. Let me read that again. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be throne or dominion or principalities or power, all things were created for him and for him. Thus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were together creating the world. The three persons of the Trinity in the New Testament has to do with their order and function. Question, if all three are equal, why are they in that order? Well, the answer is, it deals with the function. We say that we pray to the Father, through the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The order has nothing to do with quality, but only with function and chronology. Okay, the Trinity. The doctrines of the Trinity is one of the most complex problems that man has encountered, for it contains a, a aspect of mystery. Though we do not totally understand it to this day, we accept it as a revelation of God. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a living being. He is one of the three persons of the Holy Trinity. To explain and illustrate the Trinity is one of the most difficult assignments for a Christian. God unfolded his revelation of himself in the biblical progressively, Bible progressively. But there, indica but there are indications from the very beginning of the book of Genesis that God subsisted in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three persons constitute the one God. Christianities are Trinitarians. As we have seen concerning creation, even from the beginning, God gives us glimpses of the truth that the Godhead consisted of more than one person, 
in Genesis 1.26, Genesis 3.22, and Genesis 11.6 and 7 speaks of more than one person. In the New Testament, Matthew 28.18 and 19, and 18 through 20, Jesus speaks of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Along this line, the Apostle Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. He spoke of all three of them in one sentence. And uh, this benediction clearly indicates that the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and one with the Son and the Godhead. It is not one plus one plus one equals three. This, it is one times one times one equals one. It was a little mathematic deal. I thought that was pretty cute. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. If the Father is God and Jesus is God, then the Holy Spirit is also God. In Matthew 28, 19, the statement by Jesus in the Great Commission, it was Jesus who said to his disciple, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It is clear that Jesus is referring to three separate persons. He clearly taught the doctrine of the Trinity. We have seen that the Holy Spirit is a person and is God and is a member of the Trinity. Anyone who fails to recognize this is robbed of his joy and power. Of course, a defeated, defective view of any member of the Trinity will bring about this result because God is all important. But this is especially true for the Holy Spirit. For although the Father is the source of all blessings and the Son is the channel of all blessing, it is throughout the Holy Spirit at work in us that all truth becomes living and operates in our lives. The most important importance that can be made in summary is this. There is nothing that God is that the Holy Spirit is not. All of the essential aspects of deity belongs to the Holy Spirit. We can say of him exactly what we say of Jesus Christ. He is very God of very God. So we bow before him, we worship him, we grant him every response scripture requires of our relationship to Almighty God. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that you have given me this day. I thank you for touching each heart. I just pray, Lord God, that they are blessed with the word, Lord God, and just draws closer to you and has more of you in their heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for each individual that came out. Lord, I just pray that you go with us, protect us, use us mightily for your glory, direct our path each and every day, and let the Holy Spirit, when he speaks, let us hear what he says, O oh Lord. Uh, just pray for just the anointing to be up on each ear, Lord God, that they receive what you have laid out, what tell us to do and, and, and walk accordingly. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, 
And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.